I'm Pete Hammond. And I'm Dominic Hatton. And this is the Deadline Podcast TV Talk. Today we'll be discussing some of the biggest Emmy losers over the year, along with some of the contenders for Best Actress in a Limited Series or Movie. Plus, you'll also hear some interviews done from our annual Deadline Emmys Contender event with the cast and creators of The Late Late Show with James Corden and WGN's now-canceled Underground. (laughs) Why do you laugh? Okay, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) You don't know (laughs) I just, oh, we're just going to start with funny. You laugh because because I'm sure that you of all people, you the awards man, the editor, Deadline's awards editor, do not really like discussing people who have never actually won an Emmy. I I love talking about people that haven't won an Emmy. I mean, my God, you know, look, Susan Lucci made not winning an Emmy famous. Let's face it. I think she made it cool. Yeah, well, you know, 19 times. And she never won. And it made her career bigger for not winning. That's fine. We know her as that. But, you know, of those who haven't won the Emmy, I think of people like Jackie Gleason in the Golden I can't get Era. over that one. You know, he I never won an Emmy. You know, and The Honeymooners was only on for one season, believe it or not. You know, not. people don't believe me when I tell them that. Yeah, but They're like, oh, no, there were like a thousand episodes. No, you just no. watch it over and no, over. No, you just think that because you're and, Alice. And then he yeah. did it on his variety show, yeah. too. And, you know, and he never won for that. That that just astounded me. People like Angela, um, uh, who, uh, Angela, Angela Lansbury. Very never murder won. she wrote she was nominated every single year but it's not the kind of thing that plays on the uh you know when the you would watch the tape of the show that they'd submit it was uh, pretty much a, a consistent character week in and week out and not one with a sort of like how it's role. consistent week in week out that we are really plugging that jackie gleason and, and angela should be getting <laughs> well, some sort of honorary somebody give angela lansbury yeah. Like they gave her an honorary Oscar, uh, maybe an honorary Emmy or something. It seems it seems odd. But what about these people now in contemporary? Okay, well, times? for one thing, I, I mean, let's go through a list of some people who you might be surprised to learn have never yes. actually won an Emmy. Never won. Steve Carell. Steve Carell. Hugh Laurie, which actually I I actually had to go check that because I was like, that's wrong. There's no, no there's a there's a House Emmy in there somewhere he for him. He won Golden Globes and things. You were right. Did yeah. I? Bill Maher, which, whatever. Jerry Seinfeld, which right. I'm like, eh. I have to put an asterisk on the last two. Bill Maher has won an Emmy, and so has Jerry Seinfeld. You mean for writing? For being producers of the show. The Seinfeld won Best Comedy Series. Jerry was a producer, so he got a physical Emmy. He never won personally himself. Now, Bill Maher, we know, has lost Emmy's Biggest Loser 23, 24 times you know, between Politically Incorrect and his current show. He finally won two years ago, but he won't even acknowledge it uh, for Vice, the show that he is a producer on. Oh, yes, won. that's right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess, I mean, but I have to but say, so but I, they but have I get not that. won for I, who they are. But I, yeah, I get that. Yeah. I mean, I think you get your name attached to something. I mean, you know, uh, you know, Eileen Chaikin, who is the showrunner and one of the executive producers of Empire, is an executive producer, for instance, on Hulu's The Handmaid's Tale, yeah, right? Yeah. She worked uh, on the project and then moved on to Empire and other, other people got involved. If Handmaid's Tale win, I mean, I, Eileen gets an Emmy. I mean, she does. But I don't think, you know, I don't think that even she would particularly chalk that up in her trophy cabinet. No, and it's like and Jerry Seinfeld never got it. And one of the TV's great comedians never got it. I mean, he only got it because he was attached on as a producer. That was going to happen, by the way, with John Hamm. He finally got wise and said, well, Mad Men wins every year as a producer. So the first four years, he was not a producer on the show. Season five, he went, his agents renegotiated the thing, produced by John Hamm, among other people. And what happens? It's the first year Mad Men does not win uh, an Emmy there. But he finally won 
and this is a theory that you have espoused many times on this show uh, for final seasons, the final thing. John Hamm finally came in. I'm a big, and, I'm a big, I'm a big believer in the Academy sentimentality for case, final seasons. I think in that case, you're absolutely right. It was so clear this was their last chance to do it with John Hamm, and he finally won. But he not only had seven or eight consistent nominations for Mad Men, but he also had them for uh, comedy work on uh, Thirty Rock and and Saturday Night Live and things like that. And he never won any of those too. So he might have been right in this category too. Uh, I'm looking at Kevin Spacey, uh, a guy who's won Tonys, who's won Oscars. Uh, might be harder to win those, you'd think. He can't win an Emmy for the life you, of him. You know, you know, I, I think Spacey's in a weird position because Spacey, I mean, it feels it feels like it's so long ago, but it's unbelievable to, rem to remember that House of Cards debuted in 2013. Yeah, I know. It was the first really big name, big deal project, uh, Netflix original programming. Yeah. Now it almost feels like, hasn't that, hasn't that solar system been around forever, right? Yeah. Uh, it's like Sputnik, just orbiting and orbiting in some ways, right? Exactly. I feel like maybe his... his I hate to say this because actually I think the latest season of House of Cards is actually it's got its swagger back again to quote uh -huh. my own review, but uh, <laughs> for season five. But I just feel like maybe maybe the world has has passed by. Uh, Kevin Spacey. Yeah. I don't know. Well, maybe he has to do what a lot of actors do when they don't win Oscars or don't have that role. They come up with the role that's going to win because sometimes it's the role. And she. But maybe Frank Underwood should have been the role. It I mean, that's the thing. But I think you're right. I think it's time has passed for Kevin in terms of that. I don't know. I mean, look at, uh, you know, uh, what, what he's up against every year. There's always somebody that comes along and wins this Well, thing. this is the thing, too. I actually do think that there's some people who – I think there are a lot of people, actually, and I think I think we should be aware of this. I think there are a lot of Emmy voters and a lot of people. You take Kevin Spacey for granted. Right. They're yeah. just assuming, oh, Kevin Spacey's on. It's going to be great. Oh, but look at this new young thing that's come along. They're great, and they're doing yeah. this thing, and they're doing it with hula hoops. Like, and Kevin Spacey's just being, being incredibly insightful and Incredibly rocket, and another person who's also a producer on yes. on, on House of Cards, so also a, a double a double dip like that. To go back though to someone who hasn't won, yeah. who I really think should have won many times already, yeah. but I think is well placed to win, and this is kind of part of my final season theory, yeah. is Carrie Russell for the Americans. Okay. Now the Americans has just finished its penultimate season yes. and will be going into its sixth and final season next year. I think Carrie is a contender now. She got nominated last year, Finally. right? Finally. So did Matthew, <laughs> by the way. Yeah. Finally. There's a big contender this year, and I think could be an even bigger contender final season. I really do yeah. think there is something to this final season thing. Because I think in a way, sometimes for the Academy, and I think shame on them on one level, it's acknowledging someone who you haven't acknowledged before in a way that's harmless to you because you kind of just get them out of the way. Well, like we talked about on last week's episode, there are some shiny new objects there that are in the way of Carrie Russell for your theory here, and that would be uh, Claire Foy and Elizabeth Moss who are going to uh, shake up the race, no question. And Elizabeth Moss, ironically, will be one who was nominated over and over and never won for for Mad Men, finally get her due here, you know, so uh, so go figure. All right, well, whoever gets their due or whoever stays on the list of a no winner, we're going to find out this fall, we're going to find out next fall. That's the thing about the Emmys. Somebody always has to lose. This week's episode is brought to you by Warner Horizon Unscripted Television's smash hit Little Big Shots from executive producer Steve Harvey and Ellen DeGeneres for NBC. Two of the biggest names in comedy team up to showcase some of the smallest talent in the world in this comedy variety series hosted by Harvey and featuring the world's most extraordinary kids. For your Emmy consideration in all categories. Poor Pete 
Pete and I go on talking about more topics related to television, which we love to talk about, we want to take you back in t- a little bit of TV history, a little bit of our own TV history, back to April and the Deadlines Contenders Emmys event that we had at the DGA Theater in Hollywood. We had, as I love to tell you, a load of panels from over 25 studios and networks, but two of them in particular we really thought were standouts for this week. One was Pete talking to the Late Late Show with James Corbin's EP about what influences from British talk shows they brought over to America for Corbin's new show and how they changed the format to create a winning formula. Right out of the gate, it seemed like that show knew what it wanted to be. Talk shows take time to evolve. They take time to find their way. And this one, uh, with him as a host, but also the format, which I noticed was different than most talk shows. So you bring all the guests out, and they all sit on the couch together. That's right out of uh, English, British TV. I've seen it done. Yeah, that's something that definitely uh, James and my partner, Ben Winston, were more familiar with growing up in uh, England. But we decided to bring everybody out at once because it's very hard to change the format of these shows. They've sort of existed for for a very long time, um, and we follow a format to a degree, but there's little uh, twists that we could do, like bringing everybody out at once, that we thought would um, at least give a different dynamic to it. And it's made for some great moments. Uh, you play a little bit of matchmaking and how the guest, who's gonna be on with who, and then sometimes uh, the alchemy works out really well. James Corden was born to do this. There's no question about it. He comes from uh, television in, in Britain and Broadway, a Tony winner show was nominated for Emmy the very first year it could have been nominated here. Uh, What makes him the perfect host here, in your opinion? He is just a, to borrow a baseball analogy, he's a five-tool player. He just has so many skills because he can dance, sing, he's an incredibly good actor. The two things that he hadn't done before, which were interview people and stand at a mark and tell a joke, which are the two biggest starting points for a talk show host, those were the things he had to learn. Um, But he had all these other skills uh, and sort of muscles that we get to stretch all the time on the show. If you went to a dinner party with James Corden, James Corden's gonna be the guy that's making sure everybody's drinks topped off, uh, making sure the the conversation's flowing between everybody. And so putting him in a situation where he has two or three guests sitting next to him, that's an ideal setup for him. We try and kill him and we can't. He just... uh, (laughs) We'll put him in the street doing Crosswalk the Musical. We'll put him in a car doing Carpool Karaoke. Uh, He'll have to come back from doing that into a sketch rehearsal, into um, a night rehearsal for a roll call, uh, with hosting a show in between. And uh, he's just tireless. And he, uh, so he is made for it. And he's also, he put in his 10,000 hours. That was one of the nice things about presenting him to America, is that for Americans, it was the first time you were ever seeing him, but in England, he was a household name. And so he, uh, he brought his skill set from England here that uh, was a revelation for the American audience, but uh, everybody knew he was pretty special over there. When he was starting to show up, we wanted to come out of the gates firing as fast as we could, doing as much stuff as we could. So that's why, um, We had a super ambitious sketch in our first episode with Tom Hanks reliving all of his movies in seven and a half minutes. Um, I think Carpool Karaoke came out in that first week. So we never really, it was still a day-to-day figuring out what the show is going to be. You start with that blank piece of paper at 9 a.m. in the morning, and you know that audience is going to be there at 5 p.m. But uh, because James can do so many things, we just kept throwing more and more stuff into the show. And then we haven't been able to slow down since. And the carpool karaoke now is, of course, infamous. And, uh, and, and that, too, is like logistically looks like you're really doing that. And you're driving and he's yeah. driving. And 
it's all happening then. And now, as Monty Python liked to say, for something completely different, I want to take you to listen to the panel that I did with the stars and creators of WGN America's Underground. We talked about how in season two, they brought the legendary abolitionist Harriet Tubman to life on the small screen, particularly in an episode called Minty, where actress Aisha Hines performed, well, like, like it was theater on television. One of the most exceptional revolutionary episodes of TV. It's one of a kind, truly. Harriet Tubman, uh, played by the beautiful, most talented, smart, loving, everything Aisha Hines, unfolds, peels every layer of Harriet Tubman's humanity. What was that like for you? I mean, it's basically a one-woman show. It is. Um, it was... Uh a rich responsibility to take on. Um, it was exciting, obviously, but also it was equally as daunting. Um, the desire to certainly honor her legacy was way more important than my own fears and anxieties. And so um, over time, it was sort of easy to sort of begin to transcend um, what, what, what I felt were my challenges and just sort of surrender to her story. Because as you saw, Dominic, and as you alluded to, um, it's one that is so powerful and so necessary at this time. We're living in a country, you know, that was built on the backs of the enslaved and, and, and has sort of shaped um, uh, the souls of our humanity. And so we need to sort of revisit um, Harriet Tubman and her story, um, that of her being a revolutionary, that of her uh, being so courageous, so selfless to sort of um, take care of, 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 of those who are outside of her scope. You know, I think that we would do well to sort of take a page out of her book and include um, many others outside of ourselves and outside of our families as we take care of this country. And we shot it in three days, and she got the script a week and a half before and had 45 pages to learn. Obviously, Harriet Tubman, as a, as a, as a character in Underground, is, is a big addition for season two. Um, how has it changed the show for you guys as the creators? It was our plan from day one to really start with these <laughs> fictional characters you could see yourself in and then kind of expand our world and add these historical characters. We had William Still, we had Frederick Douglass, and then the beauty, and I think what Aisha and Anthony brought to it is Harriet Tubman as human being, Harriet Tubman as character who you understand in the long format of television is someone who's just amazing. When you see what she's actually gone through, you kind of take her from Superman, you turn to Clark Kent, and then you understand why she's Superman again. Just for me personally to see and really explore and find out more things about Harriet Tubman because she's so iconic and to actually understand that we can all be Harriet Tubmans. And I think that is what writing about it, watching Aisha do it, and I go, oh, this was not, you know, first season we made up fictional people put together from real enslaved stories, but Harriet Tubman was out there actually doing the work, and I think it inspires me and all of us to do, do more. But your character has really, really changed a lot. And so give us a sense of how the evolution of Cato is happening in season two and what to expect. Uh, so Cato has, from season one, is at the end of the season, he's come into a lot of money. Um, and has now traveled abroad and uh, has learned, picked up a couple new tricks. And 
I think what we find out about this Cato is that he is more emotional. Um, he's also changed physically, and money has changed him in a way that he feels that he is in seeking. He's seeking that respect. He's he's seeking that uh, ability to conquer. You know, to to be now an individual. What does freedom look like on him? Cato is a person that has been on this fence, and uh, I think he comes to terms with it in a in a way that people may accept and people who won't. You know, you guys did, I know for season one, a tremendous amount of research to find the stories you found. What did you guys find as you went into doing research for season two? What did you find that surprised you? History is, has always been tough, and I think we found with all of our characters, you can't just choose to be a hero and be a hero. The, the world, the way it was, you had to be a hero every day, and everything we found, the odds were stacked, and the people who did this were just more and more amazing with every detail. This week's episode is brought to you by Warner Horizon Unscripted Television's smash hit Little Big Shots from executive producer Steve Harvey and Ellen DeGeneres for NBC. Two of the biggest names in comedy team up to showcase some of the smallest talent in the world in this comedy variety series hosted by Harvey and featuring the world's most extraordinary kids. For your Emmy consideration in all categories. All right, now we're going to talk about another Emmy category. This one I'm really excited about. I think this is one of the strongest competitive races I've ever seen here or in any category at the Emmys. And it's it, all oh, I thought you were going to talk about NASCAR. <laughs> uh, I thought you were going to really no, no, no. I'm talking about Best Actress in a Limited Series or Movie for Television. Now, uh, Sarah Paulson uh, took this award finally after losing uh, many times in other categories uh, for The People versus O.J. Simpson. She took it last year. Uh, this year, though, this wow. year is impossible. It's impossible. And impossible. Let me tell you what you have. You have you have contenders no, going you have, against you each have, other. You have superpowers. Yeah. Like not you have superpowers and then alternative universes versions yeah. of superpowers. <laughs> Hours, all showing up. Oscar-winning actresses, at least four of the five nominees will have a Best Actress Oscar already. And at least four of the nominees will have come from only two shows. Yes. So They're there you literally have banging heads. Yeah, Jessica Lange and, as uh, Joan Crawford and Susan Sarandon as Betty Davis in the magnificent Ryan Murphy uh, uh, limited series Feud. And then you have, of course, Reese Witherspoon and Nicole Kidman in an equally great show, Big Little Lies on HBO. I say, whoa, all of them have Best Actress Oscars. And look at who else might show up on, in this category. Another uh, Oscar-winning actress, Diane Keaton for The Young Pope. Another Oscar winner. Uh, nominee, Michelle Pfeiffer, uh, who should have won for The Fabulous Baker Boys, but lost to Jessica Tandy. And uh, that's because Jessica Tandy was in Driving Miss oh, Daisy. Still can't let old. that one go. I can't still let it can't go let because go. I, I can't because Michelle Pfeiffer, that was going to be her Oscar role. Again, I come back to another yeah. theme of mine, stuck in the 90s. Uh, Pete stuck, Hammond. Well, actually, in that one, I might be stuck even further back. I'm <gasps> not sure. Um, the Wizard of Lies. Very good. Uh, they got the uh, Bernie Madoff story. Uh, with De Niro. Uh, with De Niro, and you can't go wrong there. So we might have Michelle uh, in the race. We might have uh, Viola Davis, you know, who's uh, big on TV now. And Felicity Huffman, final season of American Crime. Yeah. And we have Oprah Winfrey. Yes, don't, don't count out Oprah for the immortal life of uh, Henrietta Lacks. And Carrie Coon for Fargo. Yes. So, I mean, this is a tough I, I don't. Category. I mean, I just, I think with this one, I mean, honestly, uh Give you know it's a tie. Give it to everyone. <laughs> I mean, no, really though. I yeah. mean, even besides the fact that you, it's impossible here. 
to well, re- to really break down any anyone and say, well, that, I mean, for one, there's nobody there who you go, well, they don't deserve to be on that list. No, they don't. There's nobody, nobody on those that contenders list. And and honestly, we cold the list, and then we still got yeah. this. Secondly, yeah. you've got this thing where you've got so many exceptional performances, not good performances, not wow, you really nailed a performance. It's exceptional excellence in action. They're amazing. And, uh, you know, I, I, I thought Nicole Kidman, my God, in, in Big Little Lies, if I had to vote for one just for the degree of difficulty and what she went through on that show, I'd have to say it might be hers. Well, take. you also, but you, you, you know, you just did a very a long piece with Nicole Kidman yeah. when you were at Con. Yeah. And Nicole, who, I mean, if you want to talk about difficulty, I mean, this is one more, four, four films at Con? Yeah, I mean, yeah. work, 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 work. <laughs> I'm going to work a little more. Yeah, you know, know. And, she, and both her and Reese were producers on this, too, yes, which yes. I, think, I think really is telling of how they brought their heart to this adaptation yeah you know i i I, again i can't disagree with you i mean i but again i mean it comes down to is like well did you work that little bit more than that other i mean it's just such well it's it's interesting i have to pat myself on the back when i was on the board of governors they were trying actually talking actively about moving uh movies and limited series off the emmy show and into its own thing they were even suggesting selling it to hbo as a special and because they wanted to focus on the things that the networks were interested in, which were the bread and butter series. And I kept saying, and I made a big argument in front of the board, and finally, you know, they decided not to do this, um, but it was a big battle. Uh, I said, this is the category. Look at this category year in and year out. It comes up with the biggest stars, the biggest names, and they're different every year. And you have this exciting race here, you know, and it makes the Emmys really watchable for me. It's not the same old names we see year after year on the Emmys in the same old roles. And I think this makes the Emmy broadcast more exciting, too, to have a race like this. I think this this makes the Emmy brand more exciting. Yeah. Much more exciting. And, And look, also, I mean... It's an old chestnut now to talk about people, and we've talked about it, and other people have talked about about, about movie stars coming to the small screen. But when you look at this particular category, you see how highly evolved, how highly selective, and how highly opportunistic, and I mean that in the best yeah. way, of well-selected, thought-out roles that these women have, 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 have gotten for themselves. This is a tremendous category this year, and I, I honestly, I just don't know how you call it. I just well, don't know. I mean, great- what will be interesting is to watch the campaign. Yeah. These because this, ad, is, yeah. this is going to make the Republican primaries of 2015 <laughs> and 16. Yes. You, I mean, there's no Donald Trump on there, but no. someone is going to have to break away. And these great actresses are really showing that television is the place to be if you want a really good role. I mean, they're not finding them as much in movies. It's very hard to get movies off the ground and, you know, and in theaters. And well, unless you want to play CIA, you know, o- o- Uber Lord so-and-so for Captain well, America Well, yeah, 16. look at what happened. What's her name? Uh, Patricia Arquette wins an Oscar, and then the next fall, she's doing CSI, CSI, whatever it is, you know. And Actually, that didn't last that long. Uh, you know, there you go. That's CSI even, Cyber. That's even worse. She wins an Oscar, and then she does a CSI show that doesn't last. I, I mean, think she was doing it before, too. Okay, well, there you go. Are you just, you? I get it, I get it. <laughs> not gonna go too I'm far. just saying television okay, okay, is providing I, I these you, actresses great roles. Yeah. Of our list, mm-hmm. of our list, is there anyone you think you could say, well, let's drop them off at this point? Yeah, I think... Um, the young pope, I, uh, Diane Keaton, I would uh, drop off because she's not playing the young pope. Uh, so it is it is what it is. That would have been a very different show if Diane Keaton <laughs> were playing the young pope. Yeah, but I just don't think, you know, whatever. I haven't seen the Viola Davis movie. Um, I, I, I don't know how. This is one of those impossible situations where somebody's going to get screwed over. But I think when they vote. 
they'll vote for a few. The, the actors will vote for both of them. And I think on Big Little Lies, they'll vote for both Reese and Nicole. I think that's just going to be the mentality that goes in. I think those four are slam dunk nominations. Yeah, and, I think so too. And so it's going to be the fifth slot that will be very interesting to see. I got my Emmy uh, tapes, an ABC sent American Crime. In, in the past years, they've sent the whole uh, series. This time they just sent two episodes. I thought that was a big miss and it was mixed in with all of the other shows. Maybe there's still a, a separate package to come from American Crime, but I think that hurts Felicity's chances. And I do, I do think Carrie Coon is another one. I mean, because of her work here on Fargo in this yeah. particular category, but also because of her work in the final third and final season of The Leftovers. Yeah. I think that she is going to be someone who is she is going to be a very active campaigner yeah. and she's going to be a very well promoted campaigner. And so I think that, you know, sort of like Ben Affleck in the year of, of Argo, which is, is I think at this point, if you're going to be opening an envelope in Hollywood, Carrie Coons's name is either going to be in it or she's going to be there helping. You. And if the other two cancel each other out and Carrie Coon pulls off this victory, that would be pretty wild. But don't count out Oprah. Never count out. Oprah. No, never count out Oprah. I would say Oprah is the fifth nominee. Well, with that, Thanks for listening to the Deadline Podcast TV Talk. You can find me on Twitter at Deadline Dominic. And you can find me on Twitter at Deadline Pete. And of course, you can find all of our Emmy breaking news and all of the breaking news in Hollywood at Deadline.com. Uh, today's show was produced and edited by David Genove and Andrew Merrill. Thanks for joining us. Talk to you later.